down. Perkins play action. Back down to the left outside the numbers. Got a man open and knocked away. Beautiful play defensively by Javen White, the young man from UNLV who is trying to make the 53-man roster. Peterman keeps it, and he is stopped short. No, they give it a touchdown. They say he's across. Late call. They say that Peterman, who was stuffed last week on a third down quarterback sneak, got himself a little bit lower this time on a read option. Drove for the end zone and reached the ball across the goal line before the knees hit down. Whacking that thing around. Peterman starts motion. Quick throw deflected, intercepted, picked off. And for the first time tonight, the Rams will start in Raider territory on the J.R. Reed interception. Second year from Georgia. Ball was deflected and Peterman is intercepted for the second time this preseason. Just being a little sarcastic and having a little fun here. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Ready to do grades? Yeah. We haven't done these in a while. We haven't. We haven't had a football or a yeah, hockey game in a right, while. There's right. been nothing to grade. I'd like to grade McPhee's getting dunked. Grainy's grades. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Grades, grades. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Grainy's grades. I do want to add a couple things to grades that we didn't get to at the top of the show. So, your first topic to grade, Ed. Nate Hobbs. Oh, man, you're, you're changing it up on me? Yeah. Well, shameless plug for the Review Journal. Rookie Hobbs, the natural. <laughs> Cornerback continues to impress Raiders. I got to say, Ed is, for, Ed is reading a physical copy yes, of the physical newspaper, copy by of the, the uh, newspaper. Um, yeah. Well, how can't you give him anything but an A? A. He had an interception. Yeah, he's, he's actually playing defense. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything other than the day? So the slot corner position is interesting because Nevin Lawson is like the projected starter, but Nevin Lawson's also going to be suspended for the first two games of the regular season because of a failed PED test. So As he does. Nevin Lawson, even if he is the starter, is not going to be able to start the first two games. Somebody else will, and... It appears as though that person will be Nate Hobbs. I mean, he's been very good in the preseason games. Every single person that covers the Raiders is like, hey, this guy, really good. So everything about it has been positive. It seems like Nate Hobbs will be that starter. What I find interesting, and the person I'm going to grade on this, is Damon Arnett gets an F. F. Because what, what are we doing with Damon Arnett here? So Damon Arnett is beat out by Casey Hayward for the starting outside cornerback job. And now he's behind Nevin Lawson and Nate Hobbs as a potential slot corner as well. Is Damon Arnett going to play like at all this season? I mean, I guess he better. Damon Arnett It's not going to be around for very long. Yeah. I mean, he's first round pick. And first tech, round and pick. If he's the third cornerback, Trayvon Mullen or, or uh, Casey Hayward will get hurt or they'll have plays with six right. defensive backs. We'll right? get hurt. They'll be. Jeez. Yeah. I, Guys get hurt. It happens. I know. But like he's gonna play, but if he's not even the second slot corner and he's the third outside corner, 
Like, where's the playing time for a guy you drafted in the first round like 16 months ago? You're suggesting that fifth year is not going to be picked up and extended very, very probably fast. Probably not. Probably not very no, quick probably at all. not. Not and quick this, at all. You know, this was the Khalil Mack pick, too. One of the Khalil Mack <laughs> But they're picks. getting Khalil Mack back. <laughs> That's That may have been the problem. Is they're like, all right, we'll give you Arnett. Did yeah, they, exactly. Did they offer, all the did they offer Arnett? We're going to give you – now, listen. We're going to give you two for two of the first three – one was a second rounder. Give you two of those three guys. We're giving you Brian Edwards. We're giving Damon Arnett. <laughs> we will throw in Abram. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Plus a sixth. <laughs> Next topic. Also throwing a new one in for uh, you. Why are these new ones? I was ready for the ones you actually we'll get threw to in those. the, we'll the get to those. rundown. We're, we will not get to those. No, we will not. We never do. The remaining healthy linebackers for the Raiders. <sighs> well, you know, I've got to say a D. D. Because when, and we all hope he's better, we all hope he's uh, healthy uh, in time. But when a Hall of Famer's taken out of the lineup, on a, ba- on, a, on a bad injury. How in the world can your linebacking core be any better? <laughs> so, do we need to explain this reference? <laughs> Probably not. David <laughs> Carr on NFL Network said a current Raiders player. A current told Raiders him player. Javen White has as a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. Koontz is hurt. Javen's hurt. Nicholas Morrow is hurt. <laughs> Nicholas Morrow's hurt. Uh,. <laughs> Corey Littleton's probably not as good as we thought. Uh, we saw him last year. So I'll give it a D because, well, the guys are going to, you D. know, Kutowski and, and Littleton, they better be a lot better. Um, yeah, I, you can't give it a passing grade yet. Everyone's hurt, or the guys who haven't played yet weren't great last year. So Yeah, so you're looking at the, the Nicholas Morrow injury, if he misses significant time, you do have Nick Kwiatkowski there to start in his spot. So you, you do have some we'll call it decent depth for now, even though I don't know that we can call the linebackers decent yet. Uh, And you have Corey Littleton. So you have your two starting linebackers. The interesting part here is if Javen White's injury is significant, if Nicholas Morrow misses significant time, all of a sudden Tanner Muse is the best linebacker. And this is a guy who last year, the reports in camp were he, he was very slow to pick everything up. He played the whole year on the IR or was on the IR the entire year with a foot injury. It's an F. F. If Tanner Muse is your third best linebacker. You know N it's slash A. You know it's a B? No, actually, you know it's incomplete. B. You know it's incomplete. Sorry. Incomplete. How KJ Wright's gonna fit into the system. KJ Wright, they're gonna sign him? Yeah. <laughs> Either that or he's going back to Seattle, so <laughs> right. going back to Seattle. Next topic. Matt Millen on the broadcast said that Nathan Peterman reminded him of Rich Gannon. It's an F minus minus. F minus. Minus. I will leave it at this. When you when you're trying to top Javen White's Hall of Famer and you come with the weak stuff that Nathan Peterman's Rich Gannon, you have no chance. The weak stuff. The weak stuff. That what, what what a weak what a weak comparison after you're trying to follow a Hall of Fame comparison. There's no there's, it's horrible. It's a horrible comparison. All right. Uh Jared, I'm gonna give in slash A. N slash A. We love it. I didn't even know we had N slash A. I just thought we had incomplete. Solid. (laughs) Because (laughs) if Matt Millen was telling a joke, it's an A plus. A plus. I don't think he was. Because he's sitting next to Rich Gannon and he compares Rich Gannon to Nathan Peterman and Rich Gannon on the Raiders broadcast can't say, hey, believe you, I'm better than Nathan Peterman. So it's a Bones could have. She could have. (laughs) It's a phenomenal joke if it's a joke. I don't think it was. If he's being serious, it's an F. F 
Because was Rich Gannon like crunching his hand when when um, I wish when Millen said, camera. "You know who this guy reminds me?" Because it was obviously going to be guy, the guy sitting next to him. <laughs> I wish that they'd been on yes. camera to see Rich Gannon's like, expression. Because, but again, if it's a joke, it's hilarious. It's one of the There's best. There's no things. chance it was a joke. I I wish that you were allowed to use the middle finger on television <laughs> without it getting blurred, so that they just cut to the face cam and, and it's Gannon. like, I totally agree. And he's just got it in like like on the side of his. <laughs> I don't know face. Millen from the wall. I'm looking at, but I just don't think he's that funny. So I don't think he would <laughs> he be joking. He's that funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're saying it was a joke. I don't think he would have gone that far creatively to say that. I think he was absolutely serious. I agree with you. I think he was serious too. <laughs> Next topic. The celebration of Marcel Aitman's go-ahead touchdown catch. F minus minus. F minus minus. If you're going to keep Derek Carr in a red jersey, because if you lose Derek Carr, hello, eight and nine, you just went to two and 15. The last thing you want that guy doing is running down to an end zone and jumping on people and perhaps tripping over what then is a damaged um, uh, end zone. What's that thing that Renfro was trying to? Uh, although it was in the, it was in the opposite end zone. But that's okay because that one might have been broken too. So I'm giving that because if I'm John Gruden, I'm like, look, great touchdown. He had the, the pump fake was great. He sold the pump fake. But Derek, you stay down here. We don't want you running and jumping on anybody. No, a plus. Now, what if he, what, a he plus. twisted his ankle? Oh, then he's too weak. You don't want him oh, as your quarterback, geez. anyways. He's going to twist his no, ankle. No, you when he really plays do want game. him as your quarterback. No, if he twists his ankle doing that, yeah, <laughs> get out of here. That's fine. But no, no, A plus. Lots a of things. Plus. First off, double move. Hilarious. Double move was great. Actually, let's give the defensive back an F. Yes. I, F. I, I, Pump was, fake by Peterman was My great. dog squash yeah. moves faster than yes. that defensive that back was changes bad. direction. That was my God. But celebration was great. You got Derek Carr, no, Henry no. Ruggs, Kenyon Drake, Darren no. Waller, none of them playing. All ran down to celebrate with Mark. I love that. And had all they all them. gotten hurt, what if everyone got hurt except the Joker because he's too good? The Joker the knows Joker. how to move. The Joker. Also, given the refs an A. <laughs> a. Because they didn't call a flag. I feel like if this oh. happens in the regular season, they're getting Who flagged. Was, the, was it? It wasn't Casey Hayward. It was the other free agent that got. Who got the taunting penalty, which was one of the dumbest oh. taunting penalty? It's uh, like, if you're going to call that, yeah. then forget it. Then yeah. we're going to have flags everywhere. Did he even look to the Rams sideline? I'm like, <laughs> I think he might have glanced over there and they're throwing flags. I'm like, that was horrible. <laughs> All right. Next one to grade. We've already talked about a little bit, but let's give a grade. Hunter oh. Renfro breaking the pylon cam. I mean, is there anything beyond A? A. Plus that he plus yes that he broke it that pass uh, car came over to help him that LSU guy that I the best thing in the world is Mayock talking in the background he didn't want anything to do with it Mayock will jump into fights but he won't go help his guys fix a camera uh, which Not is actually hilarious which actually hilarious I love that he broke it and here's the other thing Renfro. It did not surprise me that Rimpo said, oh, God, I got to fix this. Like, Connor, you're like an NFL player. Tell the dude who's supposed to fix this. Like, like, I mean, it's like, why are you doing this? So what? You broke the thing. Tell the guy, like you said, whose responsibility is it? I'm an NFL player. I'm not going to fix this. I am giving Derek Carr and Foster Moreau an A+. A plus because I don't I don't know if they fixed it or not. They might have no chance wildly failed no. at actually fixing this pylon cam. But this is like, you know, you're a kid growing up, you're playing some sport outside or inside and you break something. Right. Right. These are the friends that actually stuck around to try to help you fix it or try to help you apologize for whatever you broke. They aren't the friends that ran away because, uh oh, he broke something. He's about to get in trouble.
Good what friends. What do you give Renfro? Good friends. Well, I didn't see how he broke it. That's the one thing we're missing here. Are we're, we even sure he broke it? I or mean, is he just a nice guy and say, hey, this got broke. I better well, fix this we thing. We just talked to Kevin. Kevin said they saw him They saw him break it. So they were standing right there when he did it. So what? He's not even playing. Why is that kid breaking stuff? I don't know. So I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to give Renfro an in slash A, Jared. For oh. Hunter Renfro. <laughs> Jared is looking and up Hunter Renfro's bio. I, I'm trying to He's fig- looking up his bio. I'm trying to figure out maybe he maybe he like has a degree in like engineering and he's like, I might be able to fix this guy. Maybe. But maybe. I, I can't get him an extra set of hands. Until I see how he broke it. Was he like diving for the pylon and broke Again. it in a cool way? I hope he wasn't diving for anything. They need that guy. Or did he just like trip over it? Was he just walking down the sideline and tripped? Because it's very important how he broke it. Man. I, I don't know. So he doesn't get a I, I, He gets an age just for trying to fix it. He's an NFL hey. player. Don't try to fix stuff. Have uh, someone do that. Next topic. Neither one of us were there, but we're giving it a great anyways. Oh. SoFi Stadium. Incomplete. Incomplete. First of all, Lord knows how much money they lost when the cashless uh, machines went out. But I'm saying incomplete because we don't know the full amount because this happened all over the country. Yeah. This wasn't just a legion. Who knows on that night how much money was potentially lost without cashless? I went to Garth Brooks. We had cashless that night. The lines were outrageous. I can only imagine how much money they lost when you couldn't buy anything. I, I, it's in, incomprehensible to think across the country how much money was lost. Yeah, it's an F. No. I said, by the way, for anybody F. confused, I said SoFi Stadium. I meant to say Allegiant Stadium. But SoFi Stadium probably gets an F, too, because how – Okay, F. on the idea of SoFi Stadium, how, how do we have brand-new stadiums and they can't figure out how to get people in and out? What I are we, don't know. Like, what are we doing? It I was – I Something thought we did happened. Studies though. on this stuff. Something happened. We were there last year for Chargers, the Raiders at Chargers, and we'd have to go early because of the video stuff. Four a.m. I think. But anyway, um, no. It, but it wasn't like that last year. So I don't know what happened. And this was an exhibition game, right? I don't remember and being like that Kevin last year. Kevin just told us I know. They, were, they were there five hours early and traffic. Yeah, was they gridlocked. get there really what? early. What? Well, it like, is. It is. They do studies on this. We had, Southern California. We had a whole yeah. th- we had a whole three years of Allegiant Stadium and like oh all these studies and projections of what we're gonna how is traffic this bad? It in Southern I, California. It, I will I will say that so far, yeah, it's Southern California. At any given time at any given exit, there are twenty thousand people just going Somebody go They used to uh when I lived in worked in San Diego and go for Laker games, I I think I told you in the past, like I'd go home at two in the morning after writing everything. And those freeways, the four or five, was completely packed. And I'd always look around and say, who are you people? Like, why Why is this freeway packed at it's, 2 in the morning? It was weird. Uh, because it's an industry town, and this is going to be way too inside the weeds, but because it is, you have to give people eight hours off. And so the more, like, they get 16 that, on, yeah. eight hours off, by the end of a week of shooting a television show, they're like, yep, showing up to work at 4 a.m., leaving at yeah. 2. was a... Uh, I mean, I, that's the only that's the only excuse I would give out would be it's Southern California five hours beforehand. Well, the other thing is five hours beforehand, not on the four or five of the freeway to whichever one you're going. Like you were saying, five hours beforehand around the stadium doesn't make much sense. No, not at all. Because you should be able How? to just go to the media lot and drive in. Right. How is there well, gridlock traffic on the surface? That, that's also the isn't that one of the things they always bring up whenever they're trying to build a new stadium is like. Think about all the economic like benefits it'll bring to the surrounding area, and it's like no one's everyone's stuck in their yes. damn car. <laughs> you can't spend money anywhere because you're in your car, wasting it on gas. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's brief. Bischoff's briefs. 
I wanted you to see these player evaluations that you asked me to do. Bischoff's briefs. I asked you to do three. Yeah. Bischoff's briefs. To evaluate three players. Yeah. How many did you do? Bischoff's briefs. 47. Okay. Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied just now. Kieran's going to love this. Ed, I would like you to know that over the weekend, we sold a fake chicken for $4,800. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Someone paid you almost $5,000 for a chicken. Almost $5,000 that doesn't exist. for a chicken. That, yes, cannot race yet. I, I just, I don't know where the money comes from. <laughs> the horses. I, I don't know where this money comes from. Oh, the people who have the horses are now buying chickens. Oh, where the money comes from for these people to where buy do you the chickens? Think, what do you think the percentage is? I'm imagining it's very, very high, the people who do this, that the chicken people are the horse people as well. Oh yeah, a lot of people that do. The horse You're not having people chickens. who are just chicken people. And there's probably some, yeah. Because okay, but they probably hear about the chickens through the horses, right? So okay, the fake horses has been going on since 2019, right? So the fake horses have been around for a little while. The fake chickens that we now own, we own 31 chickens. Um, the fake chickens, this is brand new. So this is like if the chickens is successful, if these fake racing chickens takes off. People that are buying them right now or last week when we bought them are the ones that are going to make a lot of money off of it because we've gotten them for cheap. And then if this is successful, they'll be much more expensive in the future. Like that's if this is successful, that's going to be a really bad sale on our part because that chicken's going to be worth a lot more than five thousand dollars in the future. No, it's you, you, <laughs> you take you take that deal 10 times now and 100 times on Sunday. You take that deal in a second. Yeah, that was our because here's. Here's the thing. We uh we are we have 31 chickens. Uh before that sale we had 32 chickens and we had spent about $6500 on all of our chickens. So we were we were pretty heavily invested on these fake chickens. <laughs> do you do you hide this stuff from like significant others? Oh no, she knows about it. She knows how she, much you spend on chickens. She, she rolls her eyes at me. She asked she did ask me over the He's weekend. He's the breadwinner. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, hold on here. She did ask me over the weekend if if she needed to call the uh, gambling addiction hotline for me. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, she knows about it. Is That's, this your form of gambling in your life? I guess is it gambling? We're rich. He's no, ga- no, no, he I'm saying, no, 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 you're gambling with your, you know, your relationship. No, you like bet games and, and stuff. Oh, yeah, oh. I don't bet games. Okay, no. so this is your kind of outlet for sure. spending money on bizarre, weird, nonsensical things. We, we sold a chicken for $4,800. What are you talking about? In, in a weird sort of way, I'm impressed and yet worried. Right? We made money I mean, on it. We flipped it. We made three times what we paid for it. Wow. $4,800. I'm still Will you I'm take that excited. money and turn it into more chickens? Uh, possibly. And who has that power? Possibly. That, what do you mean? Who has that power? Is it a majority vote? Well, there's only two of us in the chickens. There are five of us in the horses, but only two okay, of us. Okay, so it's only two. So yep. you say yes, he says no, or she says no, you flip yeah, a coin? We have a good, we have a good, it's Mayakaroon. We got a good working relationship. We, we talk it out. Yeah. Obviously, you have no comment then. <laughs> and you're throwing in five chickens on your next deal. <laughs> we'll, we'll buy this, and I'm throwing in five more chickens. But yeah, forty eight hundred dollars for a fake chicken. Very excited about that because again, we were in about sixty five hundred dollars before that. 
now we're in whatever that math works out to be less than $2,000 on something that might not exist because the chickens can't race yet. Uh, racing is supposed to be here in October. Very excited to see the racing in October, but it's not here yet. That's still quite a ways away. And we sold one for $4,800. So very excited about that. And we still have 31 other chickens. So it's very good. We got a chicken with an eye patch. No. Yeah. It's pretty rare. Does that make it a good chicken or a bad no, chicken? No. Uh, we, well, we don't actually know because racing isn't here yet. But the like, they're, like we have one chicken that has its beak pierced. We have one chicken with an eye patch. Um, we've got a couple other like rare accessories that we assume have no impact on the racing, but they just sort of look cool and maybe it has an effect on breeding. I mean, one eye <laughs> will affect depth perception. Yeah, they 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 had a screw up. They accidentally had a chicken that has no eyes. <laughs> They, they didn't do that on purpose, but they had one. That, well, this that is the no kinks eyes. you got to work out when you right. move from horses exactly. to chickens, and exactly, you know, how, are, are you so involved with the chickens now? You don't know how your horses are doing? No, our horses were in a holding pattern with He's our horses. He's not Cassie Soda. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we're just in a we're just in a holding pattern with our horses. How? Just guess for me, because most of your time is like having six TVs on at once, which is a, another bizarre thing about your life. How much time do you truly believe you spend on this a week? That is a good question. I mean, literally, um, like the horses and the chickens. Obviously, every day you're spending some time on it. Yeah, hour a day, two hours a day, something like that. I would like have given that. an hour. Once you get to two hours, it's weird. An it, hour, I can it kind It kind of depends because sometimes, like the chickens. Well, if you have races and stuff. Yeah, if there's races and then it's a, there'll be times where it's like, hey, there's this horse or this chicken for sale that looks like a good buy. Should we buy it? And then you got to spend some time looking up about it or how much should we list our chickens and horses for? So it just depends. Like, or we've calmed down on the horses because we're in a holding pattern for the time being with our horses. So it's not as intense on the horses right now as it was, say, a month ago. Wow. I will say that once he said one or two hours, I actually I had the opposite reaction where I was like, okay, so that's actually a pretty healthy hobby because I know men in their thirties who play like Minecraft for like <laughs> five hours a night, and it's like, okay, dude, we got to get you a like we you you need to diversify <laughs> your hobbies. Oh, I haven't told you the best part yet. Our thirty-one other chickens' current estimated value nineteen thousand dollars. Your current estimated value on your chickens is nineteen grand. Yep. Man, this has gotten way out of control. Yeah, we're going to be rich. Our horses is like thirty-one grand or something like that. Yeah, this is one of those where in my brain, I don't know. I assume you guys don't go like casino gambling very often, but uh, every once in a while I will, and I'll be over my friend's shoulder, and in my brain I'll be screaming, "Cash out!" Well, cash out! I absolutely think. If that's the money it's going to make, Tyler could absolutely convince Bonnie to go on this. She's late. Didn't get in on the ground. Yeah, I wasn't in on the ground floor on the chickens. Yeah, Yeah. no, you're late. So I have to hope another animal is added to the lineup. Like if snails are in, I'm in. Yeah, you do. You got to wait. You got to wait. You got to get. So there's no chance right now if you go on horses and chickens, you can make money, even if you spend a lot. No, no, you can. No, you can. But you got to now. You have to like be upfront in your investment. You can't get in on the ground floor and be like, you know, how much would I have to invest right now in horses to make money? To make oh horses is tough now to make money. Chickens is a little easier because it still is it's still early, still really early. Because you haven't raced yet. Yeah, but like I just told you, we had we had thirty one chickens that and we're invested about two thousand dollars on that. But you're you're you miss the drops, which is the important part is when you get the chickens for really cheap. 
you miss the drops. So once the drops are gone, you got to buy them from other people. I'm, I'm guessing though another animal will eventually be added because these people who are now millionaires <laughs> who are running this show are not idiots. They will continue to add, to add animals. Right, but it's got to be a good one that people want to do. People want to do horses. People want to do chickens, I hope. And yeah, I mean, somebody That's bought one for $5,000. He hopes. Yeah. I mean, a guy bought one for $5,000 from us, so. Okay. Do you have any idea where they're from? A sucker's who? born The people that made the chickens? No, the guy who bought it from you. Oh, no. No clue. We just listed it for sale on, like, the Amazon of NFTs. It's called OpenSea, and so somebody you, bought it. So you don't it. see the name? You don't see anything? I mean, you see the name of the guy, their user profile or whatever, okay. but no, you don't get any other info on who bought it. Yeah, it could have been Jared. Well, you, could, you couldn't do that because if the, it, it ended up being a bad chicken, they might come after you. My car is not even worth $5,000. <laughs> Coming up next, Scott Howard Cooper joins the show. Well, yeah, I mean, if Brady can get one more, you know, then he, he can catch me, and I'm, I'm sure that's what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Grainy and Bischoff. Joining us now is Scott Howard Cooper, author of Steve Kerr, A Life. It is out now. You can get it on Amazon. Scott, how are you this morning? Hey, Scott. Hi. I'm great. How are you guys? We are doing very well. So uh, Steve Kerr has had a very interesting life from where he grew up to his playing career to his coaching career. Uh, how the hell did you put that all in one book? <laughs> uh, hopefully well. Um <laughs> You're right. You know, that that's exactly what I hit on when uh, we got to a conversation with the publisher. You go through the process that you do a lot of early stuff by email, and then if somebody is interested, you get on the phone or do a Zoom call. And that's kind of how I pitched it. I said, this is a guy that's had a unique career with eight championships, but he's had a fascinating life. It's amazing to be able to go through and talk about not only uh, hitting the shot, give the Bulls a title and all his stories with Greg Popovich, Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, obviously all the basketball. But then you get in and you can connect him to Kim Jong-un and Yasser Arafat and a uh, being in the Oval Office with President Reagan and Vice President Bush. And that doesn't even get into all the stuff that everybody knows about from the recent years with Donald Trump. It's amazing the things that has gone on in this guy's life. Uh, and we've heard it so often, but in, in the research, Scott, um, about his father and how it shaped him, anything surprise you, or did you know enough going in of to how that shaped his life? Well, I think we had an idea, um, but uh, you're right that, that there's a lot of different moments that still resonate with Steve from uh, many years ago, but certainly January of 1984... Uh, when he's a college freshman in Arizona and losing his father to an assassination in Lebanon is something that has stayed with him. I, I don't know if uh, it's a surprise to say uh, that obviously has impacted the Steve Kerr you see in 2021 and his stances on gun violence, because I think that that's pretty obvious. But I, I think some of the surprises are uh, the ways that it still stays with him. There are times on the court uh, the Warriors were in the finals a few years ago, and he's on the court in tears remembering his father uh, as they're having a moment of silence for the mass shooting in Orlando at the Pulse nightclub the Warriors did before one of the finals games, and Steve is on the court in tears, and this is many years later. 
Uh, he's very he he was very close to his father, and I think it I think it's okay to say he still is. They had a wonderful relationship, and uh, when Steve speaks out about gun violence, among his many stances on social issues, his father, the loss of his father is obviously front and center. What was the best story that did not make the book? Like, what did you cut that you hated cutting out of the book? Oh man, <laughs> that's a great question because. But uh, a few different things, I think the mm, the best one was probably there was a, uh, among all the crazy things that is going on with Steve and his youth, and we detail a lot of them in the book, uh, there was a, a large fire in the area where he and the family lived outside of Los Angeles, very called Pacific Palisades, and he almost lost the, the, the house. The family almost lost their dream home. And uh, Steve was separated from the family. He was kept at the local junior high school along with the other students there and uh, just the parents trying to save as much as they could. And just by sheer luck, they got, they got saved because the fire moved in another direction and the house was spared. But uh, that's one that jumps out to me. And just a lot of other moments uh, we ended up cutting about uh, some of the memorial events for his father after his after his loss. Um, I, I think that probably speaks to how much there is that did happen in his life, that you have these pretty interesting moments that didn't make the cut. Uh, I want to ask you something that happened last week and what type of kind of coach and person Steve Kerr is the sense. I'm sure you saw it where Durant and, and Draymond, uh, for Durant's departure from Golden State, uh, I think it was on a podcast where they, they essentially put blame or took uh, took aim at Kerr and, and Bob Myers. Knowing Steve Kerr as you do, when stuff like that happens, it almost seems like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, he either wouldn't address it or it's not going to affect him very much. It would affect a lot of coaches. How do you think, if it's already handled or when camp starts with Draymond, how will he handle Will he even address it? I think I think Steve will address it because the question will be brought up, and and I think he'll he'll face it. Uh, I would say I would go with answer B that it's not going to phase him too much. I think that he'll hear it, he'll understand that he needs to respond to it, but that uh, it didn't it didn't say anything about his relationship with Kevin Durant that we didn't already know. Part of that is is in the book the fact that. They were, they were fine. They got along okay, but they had a business relationship. They were not close friends. Uh, Steve would have liked to have had him back because obviously Kevin is such an amazing talent on the court, but the decision to go to Brooklyn uh, didn't exactly reduce many people, if any, in the organization to tears. I think that there was just this understanding that Kevin is, is that kind of personality, and there's always going to be drama, and usually it's going to be someone else's fault. The issue with Draymond is a little bit more tricky because he's still on the team, and I think that that's what Steve is going to have to address. Uh, I think it's going to be some combination of, well, that's just Draymond, and and you know I, I don't have to agree with him on everything, and we get along well, and we, we have this meeting of the minds basketball-wise, and we've won championships together, and I think that's what Steve's going to fall back on. Do you think Steve Kerr is going to be like, oh, that's all Draymond said? He said way worse things in my face than that. <laughs> you know what? Actually, <laughs> actually, that's probably the perfect response. He's probably going, oh, Draymond's done much worse to me in private. Yeah, uh, which which is a, a good response and probably also the truth. And I think that that's one of the things that Steve will say is, you know, 
Draymond and I have, have butted heads on more than a few occasions. And uh, as you'll notice, he didn't say he didn't want to play for me anymore. And, <laughs> and I'm sure that I'm sure that Draymond's going to go out and give 100% every time he's on the court. So I'm not worried about it. Is his respect level for Curry as much as we see uh, when we watch them together? Is Kerr's? Is Kerr's respect for Curry? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, in in every way, obviously as a player, which is the level of respect that everybody has, but uh, understands uh, the level of professionalism and dedication and commitment that it took to get to this point, uh, understands the, the time that is required uh, to get to this point. And then beyond that, un- understands what it means to sort of be the face of the organization. And, um, you know, Steve obviously spent a lot of time around Michael Jordan and Tim Duncan and David Robinson and those kind of guys. And even at a lesser level, you know, he was with, uh, he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers for a few years when they had some, some true professionals there, guys like Mark Price and, and Brad Doherty and Craig Elo and, and some of those guys. So understands what it is to be out front and center and taking and being the guy responsible uh, for doing it. So, yeah, I don't think there's any question that, that uh, what you see is the real deal with Steve and Steph Curry. Do you have an estimate on how many clipboards he's broken in his life? Oh, gosh. I think we're at, like, eight with the Warriors. <laughs> and I, I, I'm going to guess he didn't go through a whole lot as a broadcaster, which is a pretty good gig. Um, yeah, probably, probably eight. There was maybe moments of frustration when he was GM of the Suns. I don't know if that was a clipboard territory or more of a, co- more of a coffee mug or picture frame territory something in his office but he's he's definitely got that side of him it's come out a couple times uh on the court when people see when people see him even during games that you'll see this uh, there's this fury about him but that's who he is in general there's a there's a great deal of passion to him that's the same thing we talked about a few minutes ago that the guy that will cry in the court is the guy that will break a clipboard on the court is the guy that will jump up and down with the biggest smile you've ever seen uh, and that, that's just who he is. He, there's, there's no phony about him. There's not a lot of pretense about Steve Kerr. Uh, you've talked about his father and, and his journey. What is his passion, and how much does he want to be the next Olympic coach? And if it's not him, I know people said Jay Wright, but how much does he want it? Uh, a great deal. Yeah, he, even being an assistant coach was was a huge deal to him. He was thrilled with that. And as much as you could say, well, of course, it's, it's Pop and it's Jerry Colangelo, so Steve's an automatic, and that's probably accurate. Uh, there was not a, a great danger. He was not going to get selected, but still he didn't want to take any chances. He, he got his hopes up but didn't want to assume anything, and so uh, the chance to be a head coach would, would be, uh, I think, a thrill for him. He's a guy that, that played for Team USA. A lot of people forget about it, but when he was a – at Arizona after his junior year before what would have been his senior year, he blew his knee out playing for Team USA and ended up having to redshirt. And being an assistant coach meant a lot to him. So the chance to be the head coach of an Olympic team uh, of a Team USA in a World Cup would would definitely be very high on his, uh, on his wish list. Do you have any idea how long he wants to coach for? Like, are we talking about Steve Kerr as a basketball coach until he's like 75? Or do you think it'd be, oh, I've, I've accomplished what I've wanted to accomplish and I'll move on to the next part of my life? I don't think 75, but I don't think that he's looking. I don't think he's looking at, I don't think he's got an exit strategy in place for after one, one or two more seasons. I don't think he's accomplished everything he wants to accomplish. 
I think the fact that the Warriors have taken a big step back is a challenge that he likes. He doesn't like how it looks in the standings and doesn't like how it feels when he's handed the box score every night at the end of the, at the, end of the game. But this is a guy that, that has dealt with adversity in a lot of different ways through his, through his life uh, on the court and in a lot of ways in his personal life. Uh, there's been a lot more setbacks, a lot of serious setbacks in his life, uh, a lot more than people realize. Uh, so I think he sort of relishes this challenge. I think I, I don't think he'll go until he's 75 because he's still a young guy. He's still got a lot of things he wants to do. Uh, people ask me all the time if, if I think that he'll coach anywhere else, and I don't think so. I, he loves where he's at. He loves the job. He's still young enough. And this is all, of course, contingent on his health holding up. But if, if he does well uh, physically, I think he's still going to do it for a while and then move into another chapter of his life. The book is Steve Kerr, A Life, written by Scott Howard Cooper. Scott, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Scott. Be well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, this is one of your favorite teams and how they play. Yeah, well, they're, they're the most fun basketball team yeah. I've ever seen play in my life. When they were at their peak, it was the most entertaining style. A guy with, you know, obviously he made a lot of money. I'm always, I'm always fascinated when guys do move off broadcasting and coaching because broadcasting is such a cool gig oh. and you make a lot of money and there's no pressure. I mean, exactly. I mean, it's just, I'm always surprised at that. And never, you can get your agent to at least once an offseason float your name so that you're like, hey, guys, yeah, I'm going to need, need a bump. I mean, coaching to broadcast is one thing. Broadcasting to coach, like, do you really want to do that? Yeah. It's a, yeah, I wouldn't, but no. as. As Scott was explaining, there he's the guy that breaks clipboards over his knee. Or Wait, didn't he cut his hand on one? <laughs> no, the, my favorite, my favorite one ever is he's drawing a play, and uh, I want to say it was Durant and Draymond just turn around and walk back towards the court, and he just literally like like two inch punches, and just the thing just shatters into four like fourteen pieces. It's just like okay. What are these clipboards made of? <laughs> and not so ironically, it was Durant and Draymond who then ripped them years later for making Durant leave. All right, here we go. We've got tickets for you to win to go to the Culinary Feast on Sunday, September 5th. The Lake Las Vegas Golf and Food Festival, Reflection Bay Golf Club, Friday, September through or 3rd through September 5th. We've got two tickets for September 5th. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number three at 702-364-1100 if you want to go out to the culinary feast. And the pitch from Bickford. That's hit in the air to deep left field. Going back is Pollock. Over his head. It's gone. Home run, J.D. Davis. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to Robert. He is uh, the winner of two tickets to go to the culinary feast out at Lake Las Vegas. Uh, uh, you two keep calling it now. the Culinary Feast. It's the Lake Las Vegas Golf and Food Festival at Reflection Bay Golf Club. <laughs> you were close. I, listen, <laughs> I am reading the email you sent me, Jared, that says winner gets two tickets to the Culinary Feast. <laughs> okay, well maybe that's a, maybe that's a maybe that's a segment of the. I'm reading Lake the email Las Vegas you sent Golf me. and Food Festival. Yeah, that's that happens, but that's not what they got tickets to. They got tickets to the culinary feast. I'm not trying to mislead anybody over here. Although I'm glad I mean, we played. You're, a, go, you're going full Ron Burgundy. You're right. just reading the you copy sent it to as me, I sent it to you, and I'm right, reading it. Yep, that's what we're no doing. No comprehension. Here. All right, so still in it at three two yesterday when CSN guy comes in gives up the bomb. Thanks. CSN guy. Thanks, thanks for checking Poor in. Poor Phil Bickford. Yeah.
His ERA is still probably under three, and you're still mad at him. It was the first runs he gave up in August. I was screaming my lungs out of that guy yesterday, the first CSN guy with that long hair. Cut your hair. Cut your hair. hair. <laughs> it's literally the first runs he gave up in August. I'm screaming at him like a nut job. So if you missed it earlier in the show, we are now a shirt sponsor of Lights FC's training jersey. And as a part of that, we get to come up with a game day promotion for Lights FC. We're asking you guys for your best ideas. Um, we had Christopher Boyd came up with a dunk tank specifically to do George McPhee. I don't know that we could get George McPhee to get in the dunk tank, <laughs> but the dunk tank is a good idea. If we can figure out somebody good to put in that dunk tank, very good. Uh, we also have uh, J.R. Starkus, his suggestion, dodgeball game on the field. I, I'm, all, I'm, I'm just here for damage to the field. Dodgeball... <laughs> Dodgeball game is fun. Um, We had Kate Stratton, who said she liked the dunk tank idea, but instead of throwing the ball, make it to where you kick a soccer ball to hit the target for the dunk tank. That's not bad. Um, Yeah, yeah, might get my feet. No one will get wet. I was going to say it might be the driest dunk tank in history, but that's not bad. I once had to watch Tyler try to hit a (laughs) crossbeam. Not even close. (laughs) And we had uh, Brady, who suggested the first 100 fans get a sarcastic or condescending tweet. That's not bad. Basically, Tyler's roasting people. <laughs> As you walk through the door, I make fun of you. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so those are the ideas we've had so far. Love the dunk tank. Like dodgeball. I think there's we've got I something like, to work with. I here. mean, I think so far I'd go, I'd vote dunk tank, but then you'd have to say who's in it. Yeah, we've got to get somebody. you got to get someone big get, time in it. Get you, in have the to, dunk you have tank. to. Yeah. Um, Robin Leonard. Oh. oh, boy, they'd line up. Rock. You know how much money they'd make? I miss flowers. <laughs> you know how much money they'd make on VGK fans are pissed at that trade? Lashbrook would be swimming in money. Literally. <laughs> how, how about the guy they just waved that was a part of the flurry, <laughs> the flurry trade? Um, Hekarainen? Heck, no Heck chance we remember that His guy's era name. ended so quickly. <laughs> oh, man. thrown out to the horizon. Too bad, like, the lights don't have games, like, Two weeks into the VGK season, and after like one and six, Leonard, we need you to sit in here. <laughs> Lashbrook would make more money off that dunk tank than he's ever made in a game in his life. So, oh. yes, give us your ideas. Any promotions for Lights FC you can come up with. Dodgeball game would be fun. Dunk tank would be fun. Give us some ideas for who should be in the dunk tank as well that we could actually get. McPhee, yeah, we got to be able to get the person. 